0: shake hands fellowship one with another.
1: Spirit, that I...
0: that Rushers come forward to receive our offering, and if you are visiting with us today, we'd appreciate so much if you take just a moment to fill out a visitor's card, and, and you, maybe some of you were given a little welcome card as you came in, you can use that. There's a card inside your church bulletin that you can use, or there's cards in the back of the pews, but if you'll take one of these and fill it out, drop an offering plate right after I sing, and then we'll, I'd appreciate that. Let, I'll do it. Let me do I'll, Yeah, I know it. I'll sing after the offering. Amen. But uh, we, we appreciate all the visitors being with us. It's, we finally got Aaron and Chantil and Tyler up here. Would you stand, please? And let's welcome them here. They're officially here. And we're glad. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Got them moved in. I told him yesterday, we've never had a December where it snowed or cold like this. And it only happened once we hired him. So I, I said, I'm going to be gracious and patient and see how this works here. But it's also a joy to have his mom and dad with us. Would you folks stand? It's good to have uh, Aaron's parents. Thank you so much for being in services today. Great. Let's pray. You give in the offering, the Lord will bless you for doing so. Don't forget tonight, after the service, we'll be having a fellowship for Aaron and Chantel. And you'll get to know them. And so you want to. Plan on that tonight after the service. Want to welcome them here. Also tonight is uh, communion, always on the field Sunday night. We observe the Lord's Supper, always a very special time here. So don't forget tonight. Be here and let all the other things that are going on, nothing, nothing going on around the city and celebrating New Year's is any more important than being here and worshiping God. And I don't know how to take one year out and bring another in then through observing the Lord's Supper. So be here tonight, always a special time. Father, thank you for your goodness, for your blessings. Bless the offering now. Continue to open our hearts to what you're doing in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Slow.
3: No more trouble or strife. We will live through the ages by that beautiful tree of life. When some glad tomorrow with the saints I'll stand. I'll put on my crown and walk around and see God's trust land. Oh, glory. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful day.
2: About that land beyond the blue, of the place that Jesus promised, that he's fixed for me. Of the things that I really want to see. Oh, I want to see St. Peter. When I reach that land on high. And I'll ask him for. of my mansion in the sky, then I'll stand upon the curbstone, long that shining street of gold, there I'll look my mansion over, where I'll She all uh...
3: As he takes and breaks the veil, then I want to see the light that shines upon his blessed face when he lives. I couldn't come to where the Savior was. He left heaven. Praise His name. He came to
4: me.
0: Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7. And while you're turning there, let me say, if he hadn't come, there wouldn't be a one of us going. Can I get an amen right there? I'll tell you what, there wasn't any hope for us. There wasn't anything we could do to save ourselves. There is still not anything that a person can do to save themselves. It had to be him or it wouldn't be anything at all. I'm glad that he came. Matthew 7, let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word. I want to speak to you this morning on building codes for 2001. Building codes for 2001. I thought about this service and really concluding one year, getting ready for a new year. And I thought about what to share in this service. And as I thought about it, my heart was drawn to this familiar story of the two, wives, or the two men and the building of their houses And uh, things were brought to my heart I want to share with you this morning But anyway, I want us to think about Building codes for 2001 Let's begin reading the Word of God Matthew 7, beginning in verse 24 The Bible said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine And doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man Which built his house upon a rock And beat upon that house, and it fell not, and great was the fall of it. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray. And then for just a little while this morning, Lord willing, I'll add that there just to be safe about the thing. Amen. I I want us to think about this matter of heaven's building codes for 2001. Father, we thank you. just for the blessing that has already been ours to be in the house of the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for saving us. We thank you so much that you wrote our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. We thank you so much, Lord, that one day we'll stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and in heaven. All of these things, Lord, we thank you for. We don't deserve them, but we thank you. and. Thank you and thank you for them. It's all because that you came to us and so we pause to give you praise and rejoice. Now, Father, as we come this morning, as we conclude this year and we want to stop and give you thanks for the year, I want to thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in the year 2000. I want to thank you, Lord, for every blessing. I want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us and we are blessed and I thank you for it and I want to praise you for it. But I come this morning, I want to ask you, Lord, that you might speak to us about the coming year, that you might help us, Lord, to build the way you'd want us to build. Father, may we see from your word this morning what your building code is. And I pray, dear God, that that building code will become the standard of our life in the next uh, 365 days. I pray, Lord, that you just open every heart from the youngest to the oldest. Let not a person in this room today escape what God would say to us in this service. So speak now, and we'll thank you and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake we ask these things, amen. I guess during our recent building edition, I became once again reminded and acquainted of the matter of building codes. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of things I learned this time. I've built a lot of buildings and done this, that, and the other, but I think I became more acquainted with them, got more involved in them, and... Became more familiar with them in this particular job than any of them. But I was reminded of building codes. And I began to learn a little bit about building inspectors. And I know a lot of you fellas uh, work in construction and things. And you'll appreciate this when I say, that's a lovely group of men. Would you not agree with me, fellas? Amen. Most of them are all right, but honest, I believe I met a couple that would find something wrong with the mansions that Jesus is building in heaven. But building inspectors, that's another thing. But I learned a lot of things about building codes. I learned something about building codes uh, from everything from gas lines uh, to water runoff. An eye-opening experience through the addition was in the area of building permits. I never realized how extensive building permits are and how you have to have a building permit basically for anything. I remember one particular day, I went downtown to get a permit for something or to check on a permit for something. Uh, the group who had working got, took care of most of that and handled most of that themselves. But there was one particular item. It was a small item, but I thought we talked about it. And I, we said, well, well, we better check it and just make sure. A very small thing. So I went down to the building permit office and Whatever there, and this one I thought I thought I'll go in there and I'll tell them about what it's for. I just wanted to come and make sure we was doing everything that's right, and I thought they'd say, Reverend, uh, you don't need a building permit for that. Just go back to the, and go on, just have a good day, slap me on the back and smile, and just tell me how good it was to see me again, whatever like that. Well, two hours later five pages later of facts, figures, and drawings and $75, I found out you basically have to have a building permit for anything. In fact, I came back and told the men that were working out there, I said, fellas, whatever you do, if you sneeze, let me know so I can get a building permit for you. You got to have a building permit for everything. But one of the things I found most interesting and something I learned a lot about in this particular job was in the area of foundations and putting in a foundation out here. And I have found out that when it comes to putting in a foundation, the codes are very, very strict. And I never realized until this particular job how you've got everybody from plumbers to exterminators involved in putting in a foundation. I never knew you had to call in exterminators, spray the ground, and kill this, that, and the other. But I found out concrete men all the way down to exterminators are involved and in put it in a foundation. But this is something I learned. I found out that you didn't just put in a foundation, dig the footers and put the gravel in, pour the concrete, steel and all that kind of stuff and get it all done and then call in the building inspector and have him approve it or whatever. No, I found out you do this and then you get it expected. Then you do something else and you get that expected. And then you do something else and you get that inspected. I found out that building, putting in a foundation was a series of things. is a stage coming stages and it was carefully modeled Monitored and scrutinized at every particular stage. And I learned something about the foundation, but I, I realize and appreciate it when you realize how important the foundation is. The foundation is the most important thing in a building. In fact, the future of that building depends upon the foundation, the strength of that building depends upon the foundation. The endurance of that building depends upon the foundation. The reason this building has stood here as long as it is because of the kind of foundation it's got under it. You put in a poor foundation, it's not going to be long in time. The walls are going to begin to crack, and you're going to have all kinds of problems. But you want to have a strong building, you want to have a building that's surviving through time, then you've got to have the right kind of foundation. Why well, I say all that to say this. In Matthew chapter 7, you'll find heaven's building inspector. And in Matthew 7, you'll find heaven's building codes. And you'll find in the parable we just read that it talks about the matter of building. And it talks about a certain code that God demands for building the right kind of uh, structure. I want you to just keep in mind, before I get in the message, I want you to keep this in mind. That heaven's building inspector saw the first house that was built. And he has saw every house that's been built since then. There's not a house that's been built that he hasn't seen. And he's watched all kinds of houses being built. He has saw good houses that have been built. He has saw bad houses that has been built. He has saw houses that have stood through time. And he saw houses that fell through time. Now, I want to say this. Heaven's building inspector is a strict Building inspector and heaven's building codes are very firm, and there's a reason for it because he knows what it takes to build a strong building, and he knows what it takes to build the right kind of building. When we're talking about building, what are we talking about? Let me give you this, and then I'll get into the message. Here in the parable, when Jesus talked about building houses, two kinds of houses that are being built. He is talking about building lives. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 is a parable that deals with how you build your life. The question this morning is this. What kind of house are you building? What kind of life are you building? Are you building a strong house or are you building a weak house? Well, let's look at the story this morning and let's answer that question and find out that it all depends on how you are building. You got your Bibles? Let's look at them. Looking first of all, at the first of three things. The first thing that I want you to notice is this. I want you to notice from the parable the two characters Jesus described. The two characters Jesus described. In Matthew 7, you have the conclusion of the greatest sermon that was ever preached. You have what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in chapter 5, verse 1, and it concludes with our text here in Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. And you'll find as you go through the sermon that he dealt with many things. The Beatitudes are part of that sermon, but he dealt with kingdom living, how we're to live heaven on earth, how we're to bring heaven into our earthly life and, and our life is to be lived in a heavenly way. But you'll find as he concludes that sermon that he gives us what I would call a series of twos. For he talks about in verse 13 and 14, he talks about two ways. He talks about a broad way and he talks about a narrow way. In verse 17 and 18, he talks about two trees. He talks about a good tree and he talks about a corrupt trade. But I want you to notice, look at our text. Notice this. In our text, he talks about two men. He talks about one, a wise man in verse 24. And then in verse 26, he talks about a foolish man. He talks about two men here, a wise man and a foolish man. Now, here's what want you to understand about these two characters. When Jesus talked about a wise man and he talked about a foolish man, He was using two men to illustrate every one of us in this building today. He talks about in verse 24, whosoever. And then in verse 26, he talks about everyone. I don't understand a whole lot, but I do understand this. Whosoever brings in basically everybody. Would you not agree? Say amen. Whosoever gets me in the picture. Whosoever gets you in the picture. There's not anybody in this room today that is not involved in what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about whosoever. Verse 21, everyone. Everyone me you everybody he's talking about every one of us He is liking us uh, likening us or comparing us to a wise man or to a foolish man now What are these two men? I want you to notice two things about them first of all I want you to notice first of all the sensible man the sensible man talked about two men the one of them the first one that he called in verse 24 he says I will liken him unto a wise man. Now, the word wise that he used there is not the standard word that would be used when you talk about a wise man or talking about a wisdom. I think about in Matthew 11, verse 25, Jesus, if you remember the passage, he talked about things that are hidden from the wise and the prudent. The word wise that he used there in Matthew 11 is a word that speaks of that which is theoretical. He's talking about theoretical wisdom. In other words, what he's talking about is someone And basically that means that here is somebody that has an understanding of certain things. There's a knowledge of certain matter. This is a person that has been informed. This is a person that understands. They know. They are wise. There is a basic knowledge of certain things. It is a theoretical type wisdom. It encompasses all knowledge and understanding and whatever. But in our text, in Matthew 7, verse 24, when he talked about a wise man, What he talked about included theoretical wisdom, having knowledge, understanding, knowing things. But the word that he used there is a word that simply means to be sensible or to be prudent. And it's a word that describes a practical wisdom. It is like someone they know, like he talked about Jesus, he hid from the wise and the prudent. They know these things, they understand, there's a certain amount of wisdom there. But the wise man Jesus talked about in Matthew 7 is they not only know and they not only have an understanding, they have a head knowledge, they have wisdom, but they act upon what they know. That they understand and what they understand is the wisdom that Jesus is talking about. And again, the word literally means to be sensible or to be prudent. So the first man Jesus talked about is a sensible man. We would simply say it is someone that has good sense. That is someone that uses their head. But look at the second man. He not only talks about the sensible man in verse 24, but he talks about the senseless man. Notice what he said in verse 26. He talked about a man that shall be likened unto a foolish man. Now, here in our text, Jesus said the foolish man in total contrast to the wise man. He says here is a wise man, a man that is sensible, a man that uses his head, a man that has good sense. He knows and he acts upon what he knows. But then he sets in contrast to that a foolish man in verse 26. He is the total opposite of the wise man in verse 24. Now, you notice the word foolish there. You know, sometimes people, they get, they say, well, the preacher, you know, these preachers, they get a little hard once in a while and they shouldn't really say things the way they do and they shouldn't be so harsh about matters and they shouldn't be so hard on things well I want you to know the hardest preacher I've ever been acquainted with was Jesus Christ himself but you notice he called him a foolish man and the word foolish that he used there literally, literally simply means stupid now Jesus said in Matthew 4, Matthew 7 and verse 26 that there is a man that I am going to liken to a stupid man. In fact, you get your Strong's concordance and you'll find out that Strong's interprets that word. This is the way he interprets it, blockhead. That's the way Strong's says, said the word means. In other words, this is what Jesus said. He said there's a man over here who's got some sense, but over here's a blockhead. Over here's a... Man, that is stupid. As we would say up in North Carolina, an idiot. Not an idiot. It is idiot. I mean, this is somebody that doesn't have any sense whatsoever. As we would say, they don't have enough sense to get out of the rain. Thinking about stupid people, I think about this teacher. That was a brand, is there, is there, she's a new teacher. She had just graduated from college. and She was starting her first day of teaching, and she wanted to make use of her psychology courses that she'd learned in college. And so this is the way she started her class that morning. She said, everybody here who thinks they are stupid, would you stand up? Well, in a few moments, a little, this little fellow named Johnny, little Johnny stood up. And the teacher was surprised, but she realized this was an opportune moment to help a child. And she says, Johnny, you do not really think you're stupid, do you? He says, no, ma'am, but I felt bad about you standing there all by yourself. Well, when it comes to the matter of being wise, some of us could stand. And when it comes to the matter of being stupid, some of us would have to stand. But there were two men Jesus described, two characters, one is wise he has sense, the other is foolish, he doesn't have any sense. One acts upon what he knows to be right, but the other is a blockhead. He is stupid, he does not have sense or use his head. That's the characters Jesus described. Are you with me now? Say amen. But here's the heart of the story. Look at the two choices Jesus described, defined. There were the two characters Jesus described, but there were the two choices that Jesus defined. You see, one of the primary lessons of the parable has to do with making choices. Now, I want you to notice this. Now, listen, get this, get this, notice this, that the choice that is defined is how we are building our lives. Now, here's the choice. This is a matter of building our lives. Here's two men, they're building a house. And the word house that he used there would suggest that both of them were building basically the same kind of house. It would also imply in the story, both of them were hit by the storm. It seemed they were hit by the same storm. It would imply both of them were building in the same area, that they were neighbors, you might say. Both of them are building basically the same kind of house. Both of them are building basically in the same neighborhood. And both of them are building basically at the same time. But the heart of the story is where they chose to build their houses. Each one of them made a choice where they were going to build. I look at the story, and let me just point it out. I want you to see, first of all, the two foundations of their houses. The two foundations of their houses. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 again, look at it. The Bible said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house up on a rock. Verse 24, he talks about a wise man. Now notice this, the wise man built on solid ground. The Bible said the wise man built on a rock. I want you to notice something. The word rock there. Now, You often hear me say the word, this what it, because I really believe. You study the Bible. The Greeks used to boast they could put an ocean of thought in a single word. And they would use a word for this and have this idea and meaning to it. The word rock that he used there, it speaks of more than just a big old stone or some kind of a boulder. But the word that is used here talks about a great outcropping of rock, a large expanse of bedrock. In fact, Luke talking about this man said that he digged deep and laid a foundation on a rock. He was a man that dug down till he hid bedrock. This is a man more than just finding a pretty rock sticking out over a ledge. This is a man that dug down until he found solid rock. He dug down until he found bedrock. And that's where that man built his house. He dug down deep till he hit bedrock. He was a wise man. But look at verse 26. Verse 24, you see the wise man built on solid ground. But look at verse 26. The Bible said, And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Now here's a foolish man. The wise man built on solid ground, but notice the foolish man built on sandy ground. The wise man built on that which was stable. The foolish man built on that which was unstable. The wise man built on solid rock, but the foolish man built on that which was loose and movable. He was a foolish man. But here's what I want you to see. And each of these men, you have them making a choice. You have them choosing to build. Both men said, I want to build a house. Both of them picked out a location where they wanted to build. They picked out what kind of house they went, to. They went over the lows and got them a building plan and said, this is the house I'm going to build, and this is the place I'm going to build it. They, all of them, both of them, made a choice about how to build, when to build, and where to build. Now, I want you to listen to this. When I talk about the matter of building, as I said a moment ago, I'm talking about lives. Jesus talked about lives. And the question before us this morning, and as we closed one year and we began a brand new year, is how are we building? I want to ask you this morning. I'm asking you. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to you. But how are you building? Are you building on solid ground or are you building on sandy ground? Are you building like a wise man or are you building like a foolish man? Are you building a strong house or are you building a weak house? The issue today is how are we building? Now, that's to the two foundations. But I want you to look at the second thing. You not only see the two foundations of their, their houses, but you have the two illustrations of our hearing. Again, he's talking about verse 24, whosoever. And in verse 26, everyone. That, that means this story here and what Jesus is talking about. He said it years ago, but he was saying it to me just as if, was as if I was standing there. And he was talking to you. He talked to every one of us, every one. And he's talking about these two men, and he uses two men to illustrate how we build our lives. And you'll notice that he defined how we build by how we hear. Now, I want you to follow me. Stay with me now. What is it that we hear? Jesus talked about, look at verse 24. He's talking about these sayings of mine. Verse 26, these sayings of mine. Literally, the words of mine. Like you take the back of your Bible, you have the words Holy Bible. You could put on there these sayings of mine. Because this is the word of God. This didn't come from man. This is the word of God. And so he's talking about is God's word to us. But I want you to notice carefully that Jesus, when he talked about hearing... He talked about a specific kind of hearing. Verse 24, look at it. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Look what he said in verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Now, when Jesus talked about building lives or building houses... He said, how you build depends on how you hear. And how we build lives depends on how we hear. But when Jesus talked about hearing, he talked about a hearing that involved action. It is more than just hearing his words. It is a matter of acting upon what we hear. I'm sure James was there, the disciple, For I think about what he said, and notice this, James 1 22, right? Mark it down. James made the statement, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. I want you to listen to me. Jesus likened a wise man and a foolish man, and to me and you, and how we hear and whether we do what God wants us to do. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? Listen to me. I want to ask you, are you wise or are you foolish? Don't, re- don't respond to them anyway, but ask yourself the question Are you wise or are you foolish? Are you building on the rock or are you building on the sand? Are you hearing and doing? Are you hearing and not doing? Now, you listen to me. If you want to build like the wise man, then you must build your life on what God says in his word. He said, hear and doeth these sayings of mine. If you want to build a strong life, then you got to build your life on the Word of God. If you want to build a strong life, then you got to do what Jesus says. It is a matter of hearing His Word. It is a matter of doing His Word. If you build right and you build the way God wants you to build, then this Bible is going to become to you more than just a book that you read occasionally and a book that you listen to once in a while. If you build the way God wants you to build, then you are going to, this Bible is going to become your guidebook, this Bible is going to become your rule book, and you'll begin to do whatever the Word of God tells you to do. Now, if you want to build right, We're closing out a year. Get ready to start another year. How are you going to build in 2001? Are you going to build on sand or are you going to build on stone? Are you going to build on solid ground or are you going to build on sandy ground? It all depends on what you do with the Word of God. You see, I'm afraid what happens most of the time, many times, if not most of the time, many believers are like the foolish man. They hear, but they don't act on what they hear. They'll come to church on Sunday morning, and they'll hear what God says. They'll go to Sunday school. They'll hear what God says. They'll come in here. They'll hear what God says. They'll read their Bibles. They'll read what God says. But yet, they don't do what God says. I really believe this. If you build your life on the Word of God, then what you'll do is you'll start doing whatever the Bible tells you to do. What does that mean? Well, does the Bible tell us, well, to be in church on Sunday? Now, don't, don't listen to me. I know it's cold outside, but you stay with me this morning. Does the Bible, does the Bible not say that, that we're to assemble together as the people of God? Does it not say that? All right, if you're going to build on the rock, and if you're going to build right, and you're going to build by heaven's building codes, then when Sunday comes around, you're going to be in the house of God. Does the Bible not tell me that I am to submit myself to Him and to do the will of God? Does it not? that if you're going to build by heaven's building codes, you're going to do more than just sit on a pew. You are going to give your life to God. You're going to surrender the will of God. You're going to do anything God wants you to do. Does the Bible not also not tell us that we're to give 10% of our income to God? I better say that again. I don't know if he heard me that time. Does the Bible not say that we're to give at least, at least 10% of our income to God? All right, then if you're going to do build your life on the Word and you're going to build your life on the solid rock, then you're going to tithe of your income you're going to give to God. You're going to do what the Bible said. That's how you build. But you know what many do? They hear, but they don't act upon the Word of God. I, I think a hero of many of our young people is Madonna. I doubt there's anybody in here that has not heard of the name Madonna. Sometime back, she had a baby girl, and she's been interviewed, And this reporter was interviewing her, asked her several questions. And here was one of the questions she asked Madonna. She said, what type of religion are you going to give your little baby? And this is what Madonna said. She said, I am baptizing her Catholic. There are a lot of things about Catholicism I disagree with, but there's a lot of things that I'm still intrigued by. I still go to church and light candles The church provides a kind of sanctuary and a sense of community. But she went on to say, I'll teach her about Catholicism, but also about other religions, especially Buddhism, Judaism, and the Kabbalah, which is ancient Jewish lore. She said, my own religion combines all of those things. I would rather present the Bible to my daughter. Now get this, I would rather present the Bible to my daughter as some very interesting stories you could learn from rather than that it is the rule you must live by, end quote. Now, you know what Jesus said about Madonna? He said she was a blockhead. Can I get an amen right there? First of all, if that's your hero, then you're getting to the bottom to come up with a hero. But that's exactly when she said, look, I'm going to teach my baby girl that the Bible, It's going there and read that story about a little old boy hitting a giant in the head with a rock. Go over there and read about them fishermen. What, they're good stories, and maybe there's something there. But I want you to know this Bible is not what you live by. Jesus said she's stupid. Jesus said she's a fool. Jesus said she's a blockhead. Jesus said she's an idiot. And I want to say to you this morning, That if you think you can live your life and build a strong life and not build on the Word of God, then you're a foolish man. You want to build right, you build on the Word of God. You want to build strong, you build upon the rock. You want to build the way God wants you to build, then you build by the Word of God. I don't know about you, but you ever went out of y'all to get that little old song and says the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I'll stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. That's how you build right. It's a choice. How are you building this morning? If you're building your life around your occupation, then you're a foolish man. If you're building your life around some recreation and whatever there, you're a foolish man. You want to be wise? You build your life on the word of God. Are you with me now? Are you still with? What are you going to do in 2001? Are you just going to let God have a little bit of part of your life? Are you going to kind of give God that kind of religion that says, "Well, it's Saturday night or Friday night or Friday afternoon, whatever, you know. What we got going this weekend?" Uh, we got this, we got that, we got that and the other. Uh, well, we don't have it this way. We'll go to church. Or you got everything else, you put everything else before God and you fit him into your schedule if it fits in there. If that's the way you live, you're a foolish man. You are building on sand. You want to build right. You want to build by heaven's building codes. Then the word of God becomes your rule. The Word of God becomes heaven's laws for living on earth. The Word of God becomes a final authority. That's how you build strong. Amen? Look at the third and the final thing. You see in the story not only that Jesus, the two characters Jesus described and the two choices Jesus defined, but the two consequences Jesus depicted. Why should you build right? You find two houses that were built, but the end result was different. Look, notice How one house fell and one house stood. Two men, same kind of house, but they built, one built on sandy ground, one built on solid ground, but the end result was different. Notice the end result. First of all, you see a house that was defiant of the storm. Look at verse 25. The Bible said the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. He talked about a house that was defiant of the storm, a house that stood, a house that did not fall. The winds began to blow, the waters began to rise, the rains began to fall, and this house stood. Why? It stood because it was built upon the rock. I think about an old song I used to hear when I first started preaching up in the mountains of North Carolina. That old song is written in the minor keys. I want to die on the battlefield. I want to die in the fight. I want to die on the battlefield with glory in my soul. You remember that? How many of you remember that old song? You remember that? I want to die on, sing it with me. The battlefield I want to die in the fight. Sing it. I want to die on the battlefield with glory in my soul. Listen, you want to die with glory in your soul? You want to have the kind of life that'll be strong? I want to tell you something. There's enough out there to knock you off your feet every day of your life. There's a world out there that wants to knock you down. There's a devil out there that wants to knock you down. This old flesh wants to knock you down. If you want to survive and be strong when it's all said and done and die in the fight with glory in your soul, then build your life on the Word of God. There's a house that was defied of the storm. But look at something else. There was a house, second of all, that was destroyed by the storm. Look at verse 27. And the rain descended. And the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. One house defied the storm, the other house was destroyed by the storm. You listen to me this morning, I'm about through. If you are not building your life on the Word of God, somewhere you are headed for a fall. If you're not building your life on these sayings of mine, and you're not living your life by what thus saith the Lord, then you're only building on sand. You're only building on sinking sand. If you're not living and doing what God wants you to do in your life, you are a foolish man because somewhere down the road, you're asking for a fall. Why is it that Christians fall? We all know it, people. We all know of people, there are people that are not here today that at one time were serving God and at one time were in here, they were on the front rows lifting their hands and shouting and, and running and giving praise to God but they're not even in church today. What happened? I'll tell you why. Somewhere maybe they lived by the Word of God, but then they began to build their lives on this. And they got over here, and they got interested in the beautiful beach life. And they got interested down here on the sandy beach, and they wanted a beautiful house under the palm trees. And they got down there in all of this, and they got their eyes off of God. And they got their eyes off the Word of God. And now they're out of church, and now they're away from God. And so many, I've seen, I've had too many friends that have fallen through the years I won't say it. if you want to build your life and build strong, build on the rock. But if you don't, you're headed for a fall. In fact, Jesus talked about great as a fall. I think he's implied that in some cases there is going to be a tragic fall for someone. You know, the ultimate fall of it all is to die and lose your own soul. I was reading the other day about Charlemagne. Charlemagne, Charlemagne, he rose to become one of the most powerful men in history. In fact, some of the national boundaries that he established are some of the boundaries that still exist in Europe and different places today. He was a man that was so mighty that when he died, here's the story I was reading about, his followers placed him on an ivory throne, draped him in royal purple, placed a crown on his head, a scepter in his hand, and a scroll of his mighty deeds were laid in his lap, And he was sealed in this rock-hewn tomb. 300 years later, those that were curious, when they opened him up, they found that his royal robes had faded, his crown had slipped from his head, his scepter had fallen from his hand, and the bony index finger of his hand pointed to a verse of Scripture on the scroll that read, What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul. I'm going to say to you this morning, some of you, you don't have time for God in your life. You don't have time for church. You don't have time for God. I mean, you you put him out of your life. You've left him out of your life. You're going here. You're doing this, and you're so wrapped up in this and so wrapped up in that that God doesn't have a place in your life. I'm going to tell you something the worst thing that could ever happen to a man is to live for this world and when it's all said and done, lose his own soul. I see folk that come, they know they need to be saved, but yet they don't get up and walk an aisle because their life is so bound down by this and they're so wrapped up in this. I'm going to tell you something. If you were to become the richest man in Chattanooga, if you were to put the Davenports and the Leptons down in a poverty level compared to your wealth, and yet if you died without God and went to hell, what would it be worth? Amen. What would it be worth to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? You listen to me this morning. Note this, note this. Put it on, on the screen. I want you to get this. God may be a strict building inspector, and his code may be rigid, but there's a reason for it. They are designed to build strong lives. You say, I don't want to live that way, then you're heading for a fall. Oh, I don't believe that. I believe the Bible. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe God? Where do you think you came from? You didn't evolve, you 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 say my ancestor was a monkey. It could have been for a couple of you, I'm sure. As as I have so often said, I may have had a few ancestors that hung by the neck, but I don't know of any that ever hung by the tail. So where do you think you came from? God. How do you think you got here? God. Where do you think it all started? With God. Who was the master architect behind it in the beginning? God. Who built the first house? God. Who designed the building code? God. Who's the building inspector? God then I want you to understand something. If it all goes back to him, then what you do with your life concerning him is the ultimate matter. And you can build your life around everything else. When I think about the consequences, here's a house that fell, and here's a house that stood. I don't know about you, but by the grace of God, I choose to build on the rock. And when I look at the consequences, whether or not there's going to be standing or falling, by the grace of God, by the help of God, I choose to build upon the rock. Let's stand to our feet. How are you building this morning? Are you building by heaven's building code? Are you living by heaven's building code? Or are you living by another code? Are you building on solid ground or building on sandy ground? Listen, how do you want to build next year? That's what I want you to get. You don't get anything. I want you to understand what I wanted to say. My whole intention in saying was this. Start a brand new year. It's a time when people make all these resolutions. If you're going to make a resolution, this will all be your resolution. I'm going to build by God's building code. I'm going to build upon a rock. I'm not going to build on that which ultimately is going to fall. I'm not going to build on that which will ultimately be washed away. I'm not going to build by a code that, will only, that only guarantees that somewhere my house is going to be destroyed. That I'm going to lose everything. No, 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 no. You want to build by a code that guarantees that when the storm comes, your house is going to stand. You want to build by that kind of code. You want to build by a good code. And that's why you want to build by doing what God wants you to do. I want to ask you this morning. In the coming year. You ought to say, by the help and the grace of God, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'll do anything God wants me to do. Aaron, I thought about you and Chantel this week. I thought about when we left our family. Remember when we packed up everything and moved away? And when we pulled out that time, we knew that we would never, never, have the privilege of living around our family again, or oh, we would see our family, be around their family, but we would never live with our family again. That our grandchildren ever have the privilege of being able to go over to Mama and Papa's house every afternoon. We knew that we were giving up many things to do that. And I think about Aaron's parents here today. And I think about them having to see their children, especially those grandchildren. Oh, listen, honestly, Terry, you can move anytime you want to, but you're going to leave Tanner. I want you to understand that. Oh, I, listen! I, I thought about it. I, I don't know what I. It, I would want my kids. I want my kids to do the will of God. But I, to if they were to have God send them off, it would crush my heart. But I would rejoice that they were doing what God wanted them to do. And I could say, I could say, look, don't, 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 don't take your grandkids away. But to do them to cause them to miss the will of God is to tell them to build on sand. And to build on sand that one day their house will be destroyed. Now I'm gonna tell you something. The greatest thing you can do is to, is to do what God wants you to do. Live by the word of God. Are you doing that? There may be those here today are unsaved. I want you to come this morning. Maybe people in this room your whole life has been built on sand. And you don't want that that thought of one day dying without God and going to hell. I want you to come this morning. There are people down here that will have their Bibles. They'll show you from the Word of God how to be saved. There may be people here's away from God. You used to be in church, but you haven't been in church in years. You used to serve God, halfway serve God, but you're not serving God now. You ought to come. God saved you one day. He sent His Son to this earth and gave His Son for your sins, and He loved you enough to save you one day and give you eternal life. And you ought to live for God. You ought to put God first in your life. He ought to have a place in your life. You ought to get up out of your seat this morning, walk down here and say, dear God, forgive me. I've treated you that way. After all you've done for me, forgive me that I've treated you that way. You ought to get up and come and say, dear God, I want to serve you. Air folk here, they all come unite with the church. Being in a church where you serve God is very, very important. That's the will of God for your life is essential. And, you, and maybe God's leading you to be a part of this church. Then you ought to come. Join. say, this is where I want to serve. This is where I want to follow God. This is where I want to obey God. And maybe some of you have been saved. You had not been baptized. You ought to come and say, I want to obey God. The first step of obedience in your life is find the Lord and believers baptism. But say, I want to build my house on a rock, not on sand. Father, you bless the word. Bring people to Jesus this morning. May we, in 2001, build by your building code. May we hear and do your sayings. May we hear the Word of God. May we do the Word of God. Father, I pray that if there are people here unsaved, save them. People that are here, that are away from God, bring them to you. Father, you know the needs, whatever the need, whatever the reason is. May there be some young person that will say, I'm tired of building on sand, I'm going to build on rock." Maybe some young couples say, we're building on sand, but we're going to start building on the rock. Father, I pray today that we'll, in the coming year, that your building code becomes the standard of how we build our lives and we'll accept nothing less than your standard for living. So bless today, Lord. Bring people to you, and we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name.